Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom, and think. I'm Alicia Young, Trends Manager for the APAC region here at Mintel, and I'm based in Sydney. And today we're going to be taking a look at the emergence of social commerce and how it's evolving and basically changing the online playing field. I think that rather than have me kind of try to explain it, I'm going to defer to my panel of experts from around the globe on this one today. So I will ask you to first go around and introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Nir Namki. I'm a research manager on the Compromedia Omni team, where we analyze omni-channel strategies from brands across many different sectors. Hi, my name is Nick Carroll. I'm the associate director of e-commerce and grocery research uh, in, based in the UK. Hi, I'm Samuel, and uh, I'm based in China, Shanghai, and I'm taking care of the China report of the categories with retail, uh, media, and consumer finance. Awesome. Thank you so much. And so great to have you all here today. So given social commerce is, in many markets, a relatively new concept, I guess the first place to start is, what actually is it? And how does it differ from simply shopping online? I'm going to start with Samuel in Shanghai first, because I know that China has a really developed market in this space. Um, Would you mind giving us a bit of a definition of what's happening in China? Yeah, in China, that uh, the social commerce has been popular for some years, maybe two or three years. And uh, it's uh, the major difference between the traditional e-commerce that uh, the social commerce is highly rely on the sharing and the group buy functions within the WeChat apps. And uh, so that's the, uh, that, that also makes uh, uh, some traditional uh, e-commerce players be uh, eager to enter into the market because there are uh, some new players uh, with which uh, also leverage the social commerce heavily and win the market. Uh, so that's the, I think that's the major uh, major point for the social commerce in China market. Perfect. Thank you. Um, Liaren, is that kind of a similar way that you're seeing it play out in the U.S.? And I think it's interesting, uh, Samuel, that you brought up sharing as a pivotal part of social commerce. Um, because in the U.S., we're actually seeing, you know, uh, social commerce really grow because of the ease and how little that consumers really need to do in order to engage with social commerce. So we consider the big differences between social commerce and simply shopping online is that social commerce is, you know, bringing the product to you as you're browsing these social media sites versus you searching for the product. So it's a lot more of a passive way to shop and it's a lot easier for consumers. You know, we're also seeing it kind of explode in popularity because social shopping also plays into this idealistic lifestyle that we're seeing on social media. You know, a lot of influencers are really showing their best life and really showing these very like admirable and you know lifestyles that people want to achieve. So it makes absolute sense that they would have price tags for the dresses or the different clothing items that they're wearing in order for the viewers to know how exactly they can achieve this type of lifestyle that they're seeing on social media. So I think it's those two different plays that are really contributing to the growing popularity in the U.S. Yeah, I think Laren, you know, has described what we're also seeing in Europe around this growth. I think 
the big difference, I think, between what, what we see is that we still don't have the platforms uh, in place to have the full transactional social commerce that, that may be more common in other markets, particularly China. That has been developed over you know, the past 10 years as platforms like Instagram, Facebook have rolled out more tools to pivot themselves towards uh, retailers. But, you know, it's evolved from being influencer driven to now, you know, you can have your shop on site, but that still directs you to uh, an external website. So those building blocks to, you know, that full transactional in-app or in-platform commerce is coming. You know, we know that, you know, Instagram, Facebook are trialing that in the US. It will come to Europe relatively soon, but we're still a few steps away from, I think, what uh, Samuel described uh, in, in, in the Chinese market. And do you think that's based predominantly on the fact that the the platforms simply don't exist yet? I think we, we don't, <coughs> particularly say in Europe, we don't have dominant platforms that are used for every eventuality in the same way that WeChat is very much, you know, integral to many different interactions you may have with a brand, be it in the digital space or in the physical space. Um, obviously, we, you know, retailers and brands have significant, you know, profiles on platforms like Instagram, but they also will have one on TikTok. They will also have one on Snapchat. And all of these different platforms also speak to different audiences. So, you know, the, the Snapchat, the TikToks have that much younger area, Facebook skews older, Instagram somewhere in the middle. So you, you don't have that unified element and there's not necessarily the utility of having one app that integrates your experience both digitally and physically. Obviously, we're seeing what Facebook is doing in terms of its three platform, including WhatsApp and trying and clearly looking at what's happening um, in Asia and trying to mimic that. But as I say, the building blocks are coming, but they're not fully realized, at least in, in Europe. So Samuel, what do you think from a Chinese or from, from an Asian perspective, what do you think is driving consumers' involvement in e-commerce? And also, what do you think are the reasons for the big players? So you mentioned WeChat, um, I know Pinduoduo Duo, Duo as well is doing some very big and interesting things. What do you think is the reasons for their success? Uh, I would take the Pinduoduo as the example because uh, they are the biggest uh, companies uh, who use the social commerce uh, in maximum. And uh, I think that uh, um, the reasons why they win in this uh, market because um, they start from the low tier market or some even some rural areas in China because almost everyone has the WeChat app in their mobile phone in China market, even the, the farmer. You can't do much without it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that the, the distribution of the, um, the all-in-one social, social media apps is very important for the social commerce. And uh, I think that that is the first reason why Pinduoduo can win this market, even they, they, uh, they are their value on the Nasdaq has exceeded the Jingdong.com. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that the second point uh, that um, Pinduoduo, they, uh, they do very well they, uh, in the discount. And uh, especially in the, uh, when the social commerce start that the people, some people are also hesitant to use it because they're worried about, yeah, if the product is counterfeit, or some other reasons that maybe they have to return back. Um, but the Pinduoduo that uh, use the discount and to uh, ease the concerns 
for the peoples and also that uh, the discount is uh, is using the so, uh, the sharing because when they share uh, when people do the sharing on their with their social app on WeChat that they can get a very significant discount if they cannot get uh, the discount in other platform like Alibaba or JG.com. And uh, this, this discount uh, help uh, Pinduoduo to increase their user base so quickly because when they, uh, when people want to get a discount, um, he or she must uh, uh, have to uh, share the product or discount uh, or the promotion within her social connection. Uh, community or communities, so I think that this is the very uh, big, re- the, the big, the most key reasons for Pinduoduo to win, and I think that another some uh, reasons why the Pinduoduo uh, can win the market so quickly. I think that also benefits from the uh, internet infrastructure and uh, infrastructure, yeah, like the the mobile phone population, especially with the four G and 5G now, and the logistic uh, uh, capacity in the, in, across the entire China market that is also uh, ensures their success in this market. So we've seen then in, in certain markets, we've seen e-commerce sites become more social. But likewise, we've also seen social media sites incorporate more kind of e-commerce functionality, which I guess is what you know, Nick and, and Lierin both spoke to as far as Facebook and, and Instagram bringing in these e-commerce elements. Do you think that one appeals more to the other or will consumers increasingly kind of expect that seamless integration of both? I think from a, from a European perspective, I think there was a big trend in sort of the, the early to mid 2010s where a lot of sites were trying to engage or add social functionality to their websites. And <clears throat> I think, you know, that was born out of a desire for maybe increasing dwell times or, you know, length of time spent on site. Now, for me, that's taking what we think of about stores, physical retailing, and trying to apply it to the digital. But actually, if you look at the greatest success stories in you know, the digital channel in Europe, and in particular, Amazon, where that's really come down is to is convenience. You know, that fast and functional winning over flashy and convoluted. You know, many shoppers want to get in, they want to get out, and they don't necessarily want, you know, to have to share their life story in those areas. I, you know, the, I looked back, you know, when I knew we were recording this podcast, I looked back at some of those sort of launches that, you know, happened in the mid 2010s. So like made.com, which in the UK, uh, UK and Europe is like an online only furniture retailer. They had launched a site called unboxed, which was like a social site where people could share them unboxing their products and recommend and show how they'd set it up. I went to check out that site that had now just direct straight to their Instagram. And I think that's kind of, you know, where we're seeing it, you know, the, the, the transactional element, but actually the, these, as these platforms have developed and better pivoted towards uh, um, retail and that being social medias, that's where that channel is best served. So it's a multi-channel, you know, approach in that area. I do think there are some exceptions. Uh, there's a secondhand fashion-based platform called Depop operating in Europe. And that is one of the best examples of integrating 
the transactional and the social within that. You have profiles, you have followers, you can build up you know, your profile within that. And that shows some sort of comparative to some of the things we see in Asia. But I think for the most part, you know, you have your transactional website and then you have your other channels to engage um, in, in terms of social and brand building. I would say in the US, it's an interesting situation because uh, I think we're seeing younger consumers and younger demographics expect more commerce capability from their social media sites. Just because of kind of like the curation that comes from that, you know, it's very easy to see yourself wearing a dress that you see on social media, right? That somebody else is wearing out to brunch or out to their friends versus just buying a dress that's static on Zara.com, right? You're able to kind of put yourself in the shoes of that influencer that's wearing that dress. Um, And also the convenience that comes to it. I mean, we've all been in that situation or at least myself where we were watching or seeing something online or watching a movie and we see a very cute outfit or something cute and you want to know like where exactly that item comes from. And social commerce facilitates that easier process in order taking that consumer to that product to purchase. So I think that, you know, these younger consumers that are being exposed to this easier technology and this easier way to purchase these products are going to expect this more and more from social media. Um, I personally don't think that consumers are going to expect brands to be more social because especially, you know, Gen Zs, they're a lot more privy to inauthentic behavior from brands. And they're very aware of when they're trying to be sold to on social media. So um, a lot of them aren't necessarily engaging a lot with brands online. However, seeing products that Instagram or TikTok is selling online coming from different brands is a totally different story. So rather than seeing brands become more social, I think what we're going to be seeing in the future is this evolution of you know, social media companies becoming less social and more commerce. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. I, yeah, you're completely right. I do really like being able to shop literally everything. Like, I think life should be much more shoppable. It makes it a, a better experience. If I see a cute outfit, I absolutely want to buy it immediately. Um, given everything that we've covered today, you know, all the different ways that it's playing out via all these different regions, are there any recommendations that you would give to brands who, I guess, are, are looking to dip their toe into social commerce, looking to, to get involved, or for whom perhaps this is a concept that they haven't really yet thought much about? Um, anything that they should consider? Um, so I think the big things to consider up front before we kind of dive into, you know, questions to ask yourself are, you know, the important things is really knowing your audience and staying authentic as you're approaching a social commerce. So the big brands that we're seeing a lot of strides um, in this area is Klarna. So they're really doing a lot of effort in order to make social commerce easy on their relative social platforms. And this makes sense for the brand because they've created their uh, brand presence based off of, you know, um, social media and influencers and a very highly visual brand. It's a very younger student brand. So it makes perfect sense that they would enter into this social commerce field and consumers would be very open to it. I think a very recent brand that we've seen try to enter into social commerce and maybe it's not necessarily panning out how they thought would be PayPal. So PayPal recently announced that they were going to 
or they were thinking about buying Pinterest. And of course, that kind of goes into the play of PayPal's master plans of becoming a super app and incorporating social shopping into its app. And of course, its stock prices fell after this announcement. It still has not recovered from that announcement. And so it really shows that investors are not ready for this kind of integration and for a brand that has not historically been associated with social media and that younger student audience to enter into that field. So with all that said, you know, I think that there are three things to ask yourself when considering a social commerce strategy. The first one is, where is my target audience viewing entertainment content? If your audience is viewing entertainment content on Instagram or TikTok, that means that they're going to be a lot more open to social commerce. If they're going to be viewing their entertainment mostly on national TV or online video, it's going to be a lot more difficult because the strength of social commerce, at least in the US, is the fact that you know, you're leveraging and a more brand awareness channels in order to streamline the marketing funnel experience for the consumer to take them right to a product. So if you're able, if your audience is, you know, viewing entertainment content on, you know, TikTok or Instagram or other very social focused channels, I think social commerce could work for you. Uh, the second question is, can I easily and authentically incorporate influencers into my marketing strategy? At least in the U.S., a huge basis of social commerce is influencers, whether that's, you know, the big Kylie Jenners of the world or the micro-influencers that have, you know, 1,000 followers and they want to share codes to their friends and family or they want to give access to their friends and family the products that they're wearing, right? But can you easily and authentically incorporate those influencers into your own marketing strategy? And then finally... Is my campaign communicating the value that I want my products to display? So um, is the value that can be communicated on social media in line with the value of your own company? And if you answer these questions and realize that social shopping is right for you, so consider the use of these influencers. And if it's new, perhaps enter into the micro-influencer world because those do have a strong grasp in the US and those are becoming increasingly more popular because micro-influencers also stress more of an authentic kind of appeal. And then finally, uh, video platforms on social media are also a very good way to get into you know, promoting your social commerce products. And they're also a very easy way to communicate you know, a lot of information in a short amount of time. And that kind of gives a lot of uh, brands flexibility in terms of entering into a new space. Uh, there's, no, there's not much to add to that, is there? That was a, that was a perfect... The one thing I, I w- I'd say to that is where we have seen dramatic success in social commerce over the last five years has been at the startup and small brand element of the market. So I think you, there's huge success stories from, you know, The Ordinary, which is now mass brand to, you know, lots smaller brands and actually Laren used the term micro-influencers. I think where social commerce is giving rise to is a rise of micro-retailers or micro-brands who are using the social channel to engage with initially a very small audience that then grows. They can then go direct to that consumer. And then you have proof of concept. Um, and this is where we're seeing many of those brands moving into large-scale re- retail 
getting engaged with buyers and then becoming onto store. So I think as Facebook, Instagram, our platforms in the West look to become increasingly transactional, I think this is where the battle for those sellers will happen. We know that over half of Amazon sales are now from its marketplace sellers and the support it gives to them. I think then you have look at what Amazon and eBay have been fighting over there. We're about to have a stage where we're going to have three or four more platforms enter into that element. And for those smaller businesses, it's going to be a key decision about which platform you focus on, sell through. Obviously, you may have presence on all of them, but you know you may focus in on one. And where, what audience that serves and what your messaging best comes across. And I think that's where the real interesting development um, across the next 10 years comes is how and how these uh, platforms are going to help new businesses, new startups grow in the e-commerce market. Make a really interesting point there, actually. So we well, made many interesting points, but one that, that caught just my one. attention. <laughs> yeah, just one. <laughs> but one that caught my attention was, do you think that this kind of democratizes the online space? Um, so you mentioned Amazon and Amazon Marketplace and that kind of thing, allowing smaller players to kind of have a go. Do you think that, I mean, we're seeing, again, smaller players get getting a leg up via Instagram and all of that kind of thing? Um, or do you think that this is just another channel for bigger players like Amazon to, to have a grip and have a, a stake in the way that these things are playing out? So ultimately, it's going to be on the terms that they offer to those businesses. Um, so, you know, Amazon has, you know, you could argue that Amazon democratized its platform by allowing marketplace sellers on in the first place. And, you know, Jeff Bezos' whole reason behind that was, well, we're going to be in competition with these people. We might as well do it through our site. So at the moment, you know, the the tools that Facebook and Instagram give to businesses, you know, you can obviously pay for advertising, etc. but there's not a, a great amount of cost for a startup to move into that space and build an area. If then we move five years and actually, you know, as Laren said, the, you know, P- uh, Pinterest has evolved into a, a fully transactional platform that also handles the back end and logistics in the way that Amazon does. What are those terms going to be for my business? How much of a cut does that platform get? So I think, you know, certainly, uh, E-commerce generally is democratized access to consumers, but there are always going to be on the terms of these platforms. But more competition in that market hopefully will make, you know, the the pricing structures and the cost to those businesses come down a little. Uh, I think that uh, um, for for Chinese consumers that uh, there's so many uh, shop the ways of the shopping, especially in online, that they can choose that so. Uh, I think that for the social commerce, that the a very key important thing about the retailers and the social media platforms is to provide the the more the, the uh, more engaging experience to the consumers, and uh, uh, especially that the this uh, for example that uh, you must know about the uh, single days double eleven yeah. And the two famous, uh, uh, the most two famous uh, live streaming hoster, uh, say they did a promotion which reached uh, uh, tw- almost 20 billion RMB over one night. Two guys. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. So that we can see that the, the transaction is, is living in everywhere. 
in China across different platforms. Sometimes the social media platforms, sometimes the the, the big e-commerce platforms, sometimes the live streaming platforms. Okay, so that the, for the social commerce, the experience is very important. And I think that uh, especially for the uh, how to uh, make more uh, young young people to to engaging with the social commerce uh, is that to maybe can provide some uh, more new uh, how to say some, some new technology uh, or the gaming uh, format because a game uh, the esports game is like one of the new social uh, media platforms and also that we see the trend of the, the meta universe yeah and you must know about it so that is can be a next uh, point that the social media uh, uh, company and uh, retail, e-commerce retailers that can pay attention to in this part. And the second point, I think that uh, people um, care about the experience uh, in the shopping uh, journey and also that they care about the product because only the product can help the company and the brand to retain their loyal users and buyers. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that uh, for the, especially that the, the, the social media uh, uh, is also increasingly that uh, uh, not only uh, use the social, the, the social community or social connection as this transaction uh, tools, but also they, some brand use the WeChat platform to, uh, to increase their private traffic and to to retain their loyal consumers to drive them to re, uh, uh, to to drive the repurchase rate, yeah, and so that the the product is to uh, is the 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 key key things to help the brands and the, to help the retailers to um, to keep their users in their own loop. So that I think that the, this is another very important thing that for these uh, companies in the social commerce market. Wow. So a lot to think about from a lot of different experts in a lot of different regions. Um, so fascinating to hear how it's playing out in your respective regions. I think there's so much room for this to grow and evolve. It's really exciting. Um, and a lot for brands to take away as well from this. So thank you so much to our analysts today, Samuel, Liaren, and Nick. And thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you want to know more about Mintel, who we are and what we do, head over to mintel.com and follow us on social media. We're on all the big ones, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts.